Today's date is February 10th, 2023. I'm a little concerned right now about your salvation and stuff. Get behind me, Satan. Jesus said, get behind me, Satan. Jesus said, get away from me, Satan. Jesus said, you don't tempt the Lord thy God. Get behind me, Satan. Jesus said, get behind me, Satan. Jesus said, get away from me, Satan. Jesus said, you don't tempt the Lord thy God. Now Jesus went to the desert 40 nights and 40 days. When he got tired and hungry, to his father he would pray. But the devil came to Jesus, said, if you want to be fed, why don't you turn these big old worthless stones to bread? Get behind me, Satan. Jesus said, get behind me, Satan. Jesus said, get away from me, Satan. Jesus said, you don't tempt the Lord thy God. Get behind me, Satan. Jesus said, get behind me, Satan. Jesus said, get away from me, Satan. Jesus said, you don't tempt the Lord thy God. Then the devil came to Jesus, through the temple up on top. And he said, if you are the Son of God, the Father is a golden drop. Although the scripture says that angels will slow your falling down, and they'll gently put your feet back on the ground. Get behind me, Satan. Jesus said, get behind me, Satan. Jesus said, get away from me, Satan. Jesus said, you don't tempt the Lord thy God. Get behind me, Satan. Jesus said, get behind me, Satan. Jesus said, get away from me, Satan. Jesus said, you don't tempt the Lord thy God. Then the devil gave to Jesus to a mountaintop to shove all the cities and the nations and the kingdoms here below. And the devil gave told Jesus, you can have all that you see. If you will just bow down and worship me. Get behind me, Satan. Jesus said, get behind me, Satan. Jesus said, get away from me, Satan. Jesus said, you don't tempt the Lord thy God. Get behind me, Satan. Jesus said, get behind me, Satan. Jesus said, get away from me, Satan. Jesus said, peace said, don't tempt the Lord thy God. Hello and welcome to this is an official Godcast. This is episode eight. Thank you so much, everyone, for being here today. My name is Ron Johnston, and I'm here with Flightworks Mary and Burke. And tonight we have Pastor Ethan Holmes, and he will be speaking about our favorite subject, salvation. Amen. Let's say everybody, Mary, Mike, how are you guys doing tonight? I'm good, Ron. Thank you, sir. How are you? I'm well. Mary, Mary how are you? We'll trust Mary. that. Mary, well. <laughs> we'll trust Mary, that. Mary, well. are you in there? She got lost somewhere in the interweb. Oh. Well, uh, 
Mike, you're doing well. You had a good day. There I am. Oh, here she is. Guess what happened? I hit that stupid switch. (laughs) (laughs) It's things like this that keep us humble. Yes. So basically, I just was saying how I'm doing okay. So (laughs) we we trusted you were fine. You sound great. Okay. Good. You guys ready for the night? Yeah, I'm excited. I've been excited about this one all week. So so tonight we've got uh, Pastor Holmes, and uh, we're going to stray away from our usual format. We're still going to speak about salvation. We're still going to have a testimony. And uh, this this is a really powerful message from Pastor Holmes. I, I remember when Mary first listened to it. Do you remember your comment, Mary? Do you remember what you said? I don't remember exactly, but I was really impressed. It was really good. So your words were, and this is through a text message. I want to go to your church. Oh yeah, that's right. You remember I that? I did. I do. <laughs> so that was really uh, that was really neat to hear because Mike and I we we love our church and we love our pastor. Yeah. We have two pastors and we love them both, and um, we're really blessed. Uh, there's right. there's been a couple of sermons where I've I've sat and I've turned to the person next to me and I've said, you know, we're at the right place. We are at the right yeah. place. This is beautiful. I'm glad that we're here. Um, yeah, it's so amazing right. when you know, like, right where you know exactly where you're supposed to be at the right time, like, right in that moment. So that's pretty cool. Yeah, God has a way of doing that, doesn't he? Yep. Uh, Mike, anything you want to say about this uh about Pastor Holmes here tonight before we get too started or into our prayer? Um, I can. Um, he's fairly new to our church. I mean, he's, I think he's been around about six years now. We, we hired him. Um, he's, he's a, uh, he's one of the sons of Barbara and Ken Holmes who were attending to our, our church, um, before, we hired him and he was actually in college at the time at Bob Jones and um, just worked out. We were looking for another pastor, our senior pastor. We always call him a senior pastor, but um, he retired and moved up north. So we were looking. My father-in-law was just over overloaded and uh, we, he, he needed he needed help. You know, he was preaching you know, three services a week and running the school and teaching school. And, you know, that guy was working 15, 16 hour days, seven days a week. So we, we looked at a lot of resumes and we kept coming back to, you know, we pastor hesitated about even putting one in because he didn't know if he was quite ready yet. He wanted to finish school, wanted to get his master's his MDiv and all that stuff. And wasn't quite done. Yeah, because he he's one quite up. young for a pastor. He's he's only yeah. in his early thirties. He is early thirties now, but yeah, he is. He's definitely way more mature for his age. I mean, he's you when you listen to him talk, you yeah, yeah. you think he's fifty, fifty five years oh. old. And he's been doing this his whole life. I was I, really surprised that I've he was that young. Years on him. I've got a good 15 years on this guy and and he's way more mature than I am. (laughs) So you're definitely right. My son's more mature than you, Ron. That's probably true too. (laughs) I'm just trying to stay young. It's working for me. But he's a great guy. He's my friend, uh, extremely talented musician, great 
preacher, um, a real asset to our church. He works really well with my father-in-law. They're both complete opposites, but they really complement each other. And um, our church is great. I mean, way better than with them, with them without them. It's it's been a real asset for us, and we just praise God for him. I think you guys are gonna enjoy what he has to say because I think there's a lot of confusion um, about salvation um, to people that don't know much about it or haven't been church their whole life. There's a lot of confusion in there. Like, like it's just a lot harder than it really is. It's it's not hard. It's really pretty simple. And I think he does a really good job of explaining it. Yeah, he does. Manner. So. Right. Well, uh, if I can, let's go into announcements here. Um, next week, we've got testimony from Ezra Snow. Yes. And, Ezra Snow. And then the week after that, we have Nate. Uh, Nate. Yep. Wattenhofer. Am I pronouncing that yep. right? Okay. Yes, you are. Wattenhofer. Yep. Okay. And then we're going to have... Um, and in, in, in the month of March, we're going to have Sovereignty, Jenny Lee Downs, Jenny Lynn Downs, Wade Remington, uh, a couple of Mary's friends, Gwen Besser and Paulette Anderson, and we're very excited to welcome them to the family. And then in April, we're going to have Moonwolf, Murfett. Yep. We've just recently in the last week since we've made our last announcements have signed on with Jack Tard, as you know him. Yep. And there was one more. Who was the other? Kathy, Kit Kat. Kit Kat. Wonderful. Yes. You guys so, know her as Kit Kat. Yeah. So we've got more Bear Bards family members coming up and some non-Bards family members coming up that we want to welcome to our family. So I hope you guys can all make them feel uh, at home when they come when they arrive. Yeah. And also another thing I wanted to announce is we also want the Godcast to be your place of prayer. So in our chat, if you're here, if you're live, and you have a prayer request, please tag Mary with your prayer request. And I know every single one of us has a prayer. Um, I myself have a prayer that I'm going to give as well, that I need Mary to pray for me. And, uh, you know, if you're shy about a prayer or something that you really can't talk about, just tag Mary and your name will pop up and type in unspoken. And we're going to pray for you as well. And we'll, we'll do that at the end of the show. Mary will cover us at the end of the show. So one thing about that, too, is that if you're unfamiliar in the chat with how to tag someone, basically you just go to their name and you go to their picture and just tap on it. And then a little box will pop up and then you'll see the at sign up in the upper right and hit that. And then that will actually tag the person, which means that their name will appear green or it'll be colored in the chat. So it it causes a attention to be drawn to it. And then you can type right after their name, whatever you want to say. So. Perfect. Anything else you guys can think of before we go to prayer? Um, no, I think that's it. Let's do it. Yes. All right. Mike, will you lead us in prayer tonight? Sure. Father, thank you once again for your greatness, your love that you have for us. Your great love that you were willing to send your only begotten son to live a perfect life, and to pay for our sins and death. What a great gift, Lord. We are, we, we'd be, we are lost without you. Um, 
we were created to worship you, Lord, to love you, to bring glory to you. And we pray, Lord, that this podcast will do that. We pray, Lord, that we never stray from that, that um, you'd always have your hand on this. And, and if we start to get off base, that you would take us to the woodshed on it and uh, straighten us out. Because this is about you and you only and leading others to Christ and, and bringing you glory. Father, we thank you for Pastor Holmes and his willingness to do a pre-recorded podcast for us, Lord, that we can learn more about salvation and a little bit about him. And we pray, Lord, that you would open the hearts and minds of the men and women who are listening tonight, Lord. And if there's anyone who's listening that doesn't know you as their personal Savior, Lord, we pray, Father, that tonight would be the night. Tonight would be the night that they give their life to you and their life would change forever. And you would get all the glory. We ask it in his name. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Mike. Amen. Thank you, Michael. Okay, we're going to get started. Uh, I'm going to play this and then um, you guys enjoy chat and we'll talk to you at the end. And so how this came to play is we're, we're doing testimonies and there's a family of podcasters and what would you call it, Mike? Bards Nation. Yeah, they call it Bards Nation. Bards Nation. Um, Scott Kesterson is the main podcaster and he's been going at it for a couple of years now. And then there's uh, another podcast that spun off of that, Kilted Christian. Mm-hmm. And now we're doing ours. Uh, this is an official Godcast, which is Testimonies and Salvation. And as Mike and I were speaking about it today, there are, I would say, quite a few number of people that started listening to these podcasts that before the podcast, I would, I would, I would go out on a limb and say that they didn't believe in God. Mm-hmm. Now these podcasts, they are God-based. Um, It's current events and, you know, politics, political science, and God-based, and God-centered. And over the past couple years, like I said, I think a lot of people started, because of the way that the world's going, Mm -hmm. started turning towards God and believing God. And I would say out of those people, there's a good handful of them that would say, you know, hey, I believe in God. I call myself a Christian, but at the same time, I, I, I don't think that they have a full grasp of what salvation is. Right. And my concern is that they may think they're going to heaven because they believe in God. Mm-hmm. And that's not what scripture tells us. And I didn't want there to be any confusion. And so that's why I wanted to get you involved. Amen. Um, I consider you the professional on <laughs> salvation. So I wanted you to speak on salvation just so there is no confusion. So we know exactly what we are dealing with here. Sure. Um, on our podcast, we, we go over, um, um, Romans ten nine, mm. <clears throat> And, um, 
you know, as we, if we, as we've spoken before, we've talked about that, you know, you don't have to be a genius. You don't have to have an IEQ. No. A child can understand this. Absolutely. Um, but just to elaborate on it more and to spend a little bit more time on salvation itself, because of podcasts, we, we generally just, you know, our testimonies take 35, 45 minutes. And then, you know, we go into salvation and we read Romans 10, nine, and then, you know, we, we go into an ending prayer. So it's, mm-hmm. it's kind of real quick and we haven't done a podcast or a show that, that spoke about salvation for, for a great portion of it. And I, I just want to make sure that everybody has yeah. a thorough understanding of it. Yeah, our show doesn't have the political aspect or the uh-huh. news or current events. It's yep. just testimonies and salvation. Yeah. And, and those are all things you could talk about. Other people are talking about them, but when it comes down to it, it's salvation that it secures you for eternity. That's what's most important. And it, then exactly. it transforms everything else. Exactly. And, 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 and that's, Part of the reason why we're doing podcasts is, you know, uh, Scott Kesterson and Duncan McGregor, uh, Bards and Kilted Christian, they do a very good job of what they do, uh, mm-hmm. doing current events. Um, but I think one thing that we need to focus on a little bit more is what you say is the most important yeah. aspect of everything, and that's salvation. Yep. I mean, that's... That is the most important thing. And again, like you say, not just a generic belief in God, but an actual understanding of that core gospel message that Christ died for our sins and that we must be born again. You know, if you don't have that core, then, you know, you might have bits and pieces, but you don't have the whole picture. You don't have the center of the gospel message. So, yes, that's foundational. Yes. Well, Pastor, before you get started, I, I'd just like to say thank you for, for doing this because I like needing another thing to do. <laughs> but we, it's my Ron, pleasure. Ron and I, we work, we work together, obviously. Mm-hmm. Ron and I, when we're just driving around, we just sometimes we just say how thankful we are for the pastors that we have in our church and how good our church is. It's so solid mm-hmm. and blessing you and Pastor Norton are. And we love you very much. We're thankful for you. And uh, it's amazing how different you two are. And yet, sure. You both have certain gifts and how God has brought you two together. You can work together and it's really neat to see. Yeah. And, and that's the part that God is in control of. Right. You know, I, I couldn't orchestrate that. You know, you might, you know, pick resumes in such a way that you get, you know, a person that lines up doctrinally. But yeah, to have that ability to work together and to, counterbalance one another's strengths and weaknesses as I trust we do, you know, that's something that God is going to have to be behind. So, well, before you get into your, your spiel on salvation, would you mind just maybe telling us a little bit about yourself? Sure. Yeah. So, um, for, for my background, uh, I was saved when I was a child. And so I've been a Christian for most of my life at this point, I'm 32 years old. Um, and so it's hard for me sometimes to sort of put myself in the shoes of somebody who's never, you know, had a connection to Christianity, hasn't been raised in church. Um, but the fact is that the gospel message is the same regardless of where you come from. And you never reach a point where you outgrow the gospel. It's something that needs to continue to be transforming your life from day to day as you go through life and as you get older. Um so my experience was being born into a home that was nominally Christian. Uh, my mom was raised nominally Roman Catholic. My dad was raised in a United Methodist church and both believed in God. Uh, but as young people, neither of them were 
particularly committed to their faith. Um, neither of them had a super clear understanding of that core gospel message that we were just talking about. And so it was only actually a little bit later on in their married life uh, that they were watching a, an evangelical TV program and they heard the gospel presented in such a way that they realized, oh, this is a decision that I need to make. This is a commitment that involves a personal relationship, not just going to church or calling myself a Christian or believing in God or something like that. And I was probably about four or five years old when that happened. And at that point, they both put their faith in Christ and then started taking my two younger brothers and me to church. And we started out in a in our local Methodist church since that was the way my dad was raised and my parents grew a lot there. And um, they started explaining the gospel message to my brothers and me as soon as they understood it, as soon as they had made that uh, made that decision. And I would say that Within about a couple of years of the time that they trusted Christ as their Savior, I made the same decision as well. My parents had been taking my brothers and me to our, another local church's Awana program, and we got the gospel routinely week after week. Um, re- really great men and women of God that were ministering in that in that ministry, and I remember being impacted by that even in you know as as a six, seven, eight year old kid. Um, it was very impactful. I wouldn't be able to point you to a date or anything like that, you know, where it finally clicked, but definitely I, I understood the gospel message and I wanted to receive it. And I did, I did accept it at that time. So anyway, um, as I was growing up, I had the kind of the unique opportunity to be a part of a number of different churches. My dad was a police officer for his uh, career, for his main career. And so um, we traveled throughout the state of Michigan, uh, moved from place to place. I got to attend probably half a dozen different churches seriously as I was growing up, which was neat because I got to meet a lot of different people, see different ways of doing things, some things that I loved, some things that I, you know, didn't agree with as much. But it gave me a bigger picture of what the church was all about, Uh, gave me an appreciation for the kinds of issues that people run into when they're deciding, well, you know, which, which doctrine is right, which doctrine is wrong, the arguments that Christians have with one another. And the beauty of that is, as my parents were growing in their knowledge of the word, as they were growing in their relationship with the Lord, uh, they were incorporating my brothers and me into that conversation from day one. And so it was really neat. It felt like I had the benefit of almost being a first-generation Christian because I was on that journey of discovery with my parents as a child and as a teenager. Um, but of course, I was also a second generation Christian, and so I receiving the discipleship and the training that my parents had to offer. So that worked out to be a real blessing in my life. Um, as many Christian young people do, I struggled with assurance of salvation as a teenager. Of course, as you become a teenager, you start looking at your world through a different lens. And I realized that there were a lot of smart people in the world that didn't believe in God, that didn't believe in the biblical account of creation. Um, And that kind of shook me when I was a teenager. Um, And it shook me not only because I was wondering, well, what if they're right and I'm wrong? It also shook me because I felt like, well, if I truly have faith, why am I having any of these doubts? Mm. And I think that that's something that a lot of people think about Christians as Christians are just people who have blind faith. They, ne- they never question anything. They never have any doubts. And I think if you talk to most Christians, that there's a point in most of their life where 
most of their lives where they, they've run into questions. They've, they've had to work through things. And it's not a blind faith, but it's a well-informed faith. And at the end of the day, it's what are you going to be committed to believing? Um, and so I remember as a, as a teenager, I was reading something that Spurgeon, great um, preacher from the 1800s, had, had said some, something that he had preached um, way back when. He was talking about the nature of faith, and he said that, well, faith is not ultimately about me looking inward and saying, well, how strong is my faith? Faith is ultimately about looking at what Jesus has done for me and resting in that, and then, you know, let it, letting God resolve those doubts for you. Um, and that, for me, was a turning point because I realized, you know what? I am going to have some questions as I go through life. That's a, that's a result of me having a flesh within me that isn't submitted to God, to his, to his truth, to his law. And so that's going to be a reality. But at the end of the day, I do believe in what God has done for me. And I'm willing to rest in that no matter what personal questions may come up along the way. Questions is also how we learn. Yeah. We grow closer to them by asking questions. Right. Seeking the answer. (laughs) Yeah. And those, those answers oftentimes are easier to find than you think. Um, one of the problems I had as a young person is I was very shy and introverted and you, you would have been hard pressed to get me to have a deep conversation with a pastor um, or even, you know, in some respects with my parents, you know, I, I internalized things a lot. And so I felt like I had to work through them on my own, which, you know, if I were giving advice to a young teenager that was having questions that I wouldn't suggest that they do what I did. Uh, you don't have to figure it out for yourself. You don't have to reinvent the wheel. There are other smart people that God has put in your life, spiritually minded people who know the word of God, who've gone through the same struggles that you're going through. Um, ask the tough questions. Um, and if they're, you know, if they're committed to a model of biblical training and discipleship, they'll, they'll be willing to have those hard conversations and help you through that. So that's something that I've come to appreciate as I've gotten older, the benefit of other people's wisdom and being willing to ask questions and not think I've got to figure it all out on my own. So anyway, as I was uh, getting older, um, the the Lord just, through the experience of being raised in church and actually a bunch of different churches, um, the Lord really gave me a love not only for Jesus, but also for the church. And I feel like that's something that a lot of Christians um, take time to to come to a point where they appreciate that because of course a lot of people have been burned by bad church experiences. They know people in the church that live lives with hypocrisy. Of course, we know that we're all hypocrites to some extent, but I realize that there are egregious situations where, you know, somebody has genuinely been hurt in a serious way. Um, but I was able to see the benefits. I was able to um, see good examples in a variety of church contexts and so that gave me an interest in ministry. Um, even as a teenager, I, I wasn't one who had a lot of early preaching and teaching opportunities, but I definitely had an appreciation for the ministry. Um, and I, as I was deciding what to do with my life after I finished up high school, I was thinking, well, you know, I, I could consider being a pastor or doing something like that, but I'm an introvert. And I don't like getting up in front of people and talking. And so I said, you know what, unless God gives me some sort of really clear indicator, that's probably not the direction I'm going to go. And so I kind of set that aside for a bit. Um, And 
this whole time I had just, I'd been growing in my, my love for music and my musical abilities. I'd started taking piano lessons when I was six, violin lessons when I was nine. And um, by the time I got to high school, I was pretty decent um, at, at the piano and somewhat at the violin and developing composition skills, other things like that. And so I said, well, if I'm not going into ministry, then you know, music would be a great thing to spend my life doing. So I ended up going to a Christian college, spent four years there getting a degree in piano performance, and it was a wonderful experience. Um, I know a lot of Christian kids go off to Christian college, and for one reason or another, they kind of end up disillusioned. Um, that was not my experience. It was it was a wonderful time. Uh, I had fantastic professors. Um, I ended up being a part of a fantastic church while I was there. And that was formative in my life. I had wonderful friends too. You know, some kids, they go off to college and then they get in with the wrong crowd. And it's like everything their parents poured into them just sort of seems like it fizzles away. But for me, um, boy, I just, I, I found friends that had a passion for God. Um, we, we shared similar interests and things. Um, even as we were dealing with, you know, the things we were being taught and trying to decide if we agreed with them or not, you know, we would hash it out amongst ourselves. And it was just a really wonderful experience. What a blessing. Yeah, it was, it was fantastic. So, um, I understand that in our current day and age, there are a lot of questions about the value of college for young people. Um, and as a pastor now, I have the opportunity to give some direction to young people when it comes to college. And my position is, you know, college is really expensive, so make sure that it's a good investment of your time, a good investment of, of your money or your parents' money, um, you know, if that's what God is calling you to do. But if you are going into a field that requires you to go to a college, boy, you ought to give a Christian college a shot because you have no way of knowing how those relationships and those godly teachers might be able to impact you. Um it's at least an option that I think should be on the table if you're going to choose to go to a secular college anyway. Um, that's an opportunity to continue to build on what you've been pursuing and what your parents have poured into you um, if you're growing up in a Christian home. Um, so anyway, after, uh, well, or nearing the end of that degree, um, I was trying to decide what to do next. I was looking at graduate schools where I could begin applying to continue on going in in the direction of a musician. Uh, I wanted to be a piano teacher ultimately. Um, it just wasn't sitting well with me. Uh, I was doing doing recordings, doing videos to be able to send off to uh, different places for graduate school and it just felt like it was the wrong thing to do. I just I just increasingly had the sense that God wanted me in ministry. I uh, didn't know what that looked like. Uh, didn't know if it would mean you know going to the mission field, becoming a pastor, um, doing something else that I really had, you know, no conception of at the time, but I realized that it didn't feel like staying on the music path was the right thing to do. And there were some people in my life who I think were disappointed by that. And so it took a little bit of courage on my part to sort of set that aside and say, okay, I really think this is the decision God wants me to make. And I can't ultimately let somebody else make that decision for me. If I think this is what God wants me to do, um, then it's, it's what I want to be willing to do. Um, and so I made the decision to go ahead and get a master's in theology, same school where I already was. So it, you know, it worked out well. And, um, by God's providence, I had already been fairly well prepared to make that transition. I had even taken some Greek classes in my undergrad degree, um, didn't have to, but just did. And so that sort of paved the way for me to make that transition. 
And then uh, once I finished that, that was about two years. I continued to do some musical stuff on the side, but um, finished that degree and then started into a Master of Divinity and was planning to finish that. Would have taken me about five years in total to do that. And then the church where I'm pastoring now, their pastor of over 40 years um, retired and the church was looking for somebody to fill that slot. And my initial thought when my family actually had started coming to this church when I was away at school, uh, my initial thought when they were telling me about that was, oh, that's interesting. <laughs> um, but it didn't feel like it was the right time frame for me. I was, I was dating at the time. Um, and I was finishing my Master of Divinity. I still had a couple years left to go on it. And so it just, it wasn't something that I had a lot of interest in initially um, until as time went on, my parents kind of encouraged me, hey, we think this might be a good fit for you. You, sh you really should at least consider this. You should pray about it. Um, and the church ended up reaching out to me as well uh, to fill out a, a, an information packet, send in a resume. And uh, the rest, as they say, is history. Um, and I tell you, I, I can't imagine, I could not have imagined beforehand finding a place that was such a good fit, uh, for me, for my background, for my personality. Um, I tell you, I'm, I'm, I'm not a normal person in some ways. I think probably most of us feel that way to some extent, but you know, you're when, a little I, weird. when I, when I say that pe people usually agree, it's like, okay, yeah, you're a little bit different, but we still love you. <laughs> And that, and that's the thing, you know, the, the people here, they have been so, so loving and welcoming and I try to be real, you know, I'm not putting on a front, you know, to pretend to be something that I'm not, uh, I am a nerd, you know, I, I, I'm somebody who, who loves to read, who loves to study. Um, I'm, I'm a, a music nut, you know, I could spend a huge portion of my life just practicing and composing and doing things like that. Um, but at the same time, you know, I, I feel like the Lord has, has prepared me for a situation like this. I mean, I spent my whole life in churches, um, sort of country, country churches with, with normal people who have, you know, sort of normal jobs, normal lives are raising families. And when I was considering the ministry before this opportunity came up, I was thinking, well, what if God wants me to work in the inner city? Um, or what if God wants me to work in South America, you know, or, or something like that. And I had decided in my heart, I'm willing to do that if that's what God calls me to do. But then when this opportunity came up and it was such a good fit, I was like, well, why wouldn't God call me to something that I'm already a good fit for? I mean, these are the kind of people that I've spent my whole life around. And so I feel like, you know, God has just absolutely brought, you know, all of these, all of these paths together uh, to get me where he wants me to be. So I came, I came here to this church in 2016 and so I'm already coming up on seven years that I've been here, which is crazy. It I is guess. crazy. It feels like it's been about three. Yeah. T time flies when you're having fun, I guess. <laughs> so that's the way I look at it. That's awesome. Yeah. And, and talking, and talking about that whole music, that whole music deal, Mike and I ha have had a lot of fun. You are fun we, to play since with. Since we've been here. <laughs> Real handy guy to have around, I'll tell yeah. you. <laughs> I, I've said, uh, I've said probably a couple hundred times that, I cannot believe how talented you are in every instrument that you play. Mm. Na name the instruments that you play, all of them. Yeah, well, you know. The I, I've seen you with a mandolin, a <laughs> trumpet. Um, you're incredible behind a piano or an organ. And violin is one of my most favorite instruments. And I love violin in a country mm. band. I, I love it in, in any band that there is, you know. And, 
and you are incredible on a violin. I don't think I've ever heard you make a mistake. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I know you do, yeah. but his mistakes sound good. Yeah. <laughs> he pulls you just, you just gotta good. play him like it like like that's the way it was meant to be. So <laughs> or give somebody else a dirty look because people will assume it was their fault. <laughs> that works too. Uh, well, one of the advantages of being in the position I'm in now is it doesn't feel like I have to push myself to be at the top of my game on one instrument. You know, if I if I had gone into a career in piano, then I would have had to just focus on that. But yeah. in a church context, you know, I get the joy of being able to experiment with all sorts of different things. And it allows me to be able to play in different groups, uh, interact with different people in the church that are involved in the music ministry. Um, you also teach music in the, in the church school. I do. Yes. And um, even uh, just in the last couple of years, we started up a band class for our older kids in the school, they never really had much in the way of a, a music program in the school that they were able to use before. So that's that's been a real joy to see them coming up and using those gifts. And a bunch of them are using that in church, which is really what we want to see. My kids love it. They uh, love, that's, I think that's one of their favorite classes. I, I would hope so. Well, Abby really likes Spanish for some reason. I don't know why, <laughs> it doesn't seem like anybody else that I talk to likes the Spanish, but <laughs> she's I'm, weird though too. So. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so it's, yeah, it's been a wonderful experience for me. It's funny as, as a church, we don't really have designated roles for, for our two pastors. You know, a lot of churches, you know, they've got something really specific. I mean, you know, you're the pastor of families or you're the pastor of technology or something like that. Um, and we just, we just share the responsibilities between the two of us. I'm not a music pastor, but I do enough musical things that I almost could be considered one. I also spend a huge portion of my week during the school year teaching in our church's Christian school, which has been growing the last couple of years. And I love teaching. I always thought that teaching would be a good career choice for me. And so sure enough, here I get the opportunity to do that. In addition to preaching and teaching classes in the church from, from week to week. So it just feels like God has perfectly yes. crafted my skill set, my desires for the opportunities that are here. So it's just been a really wonderful thing to see. You're a great fit here and your family is a blessing. Yeah. Your, your dad and your mom, I love them both and your brothers being here. And mm -hmm. um, now our church is only baby, which is always a blessing to have a baby <laughs> in the, in, in the family, in the church here. And for sure. Um, it's it's really nice you guys are great what it it blew me away a couple of weeks ago i was looking up on stage and um why it's leading and why it's our song leader your brother and then you're on the organ and then garrett's playing the piano and i look over at your dad and i'm like that's a proud moment for that mm. guy right there yeah how awesome <laughs> is this yeah and that's you know that's the way that my parents raised us i mean even when my brothers and i were teenagers um, Garrett and I, we would often play piano and organ together in the churches that we went to, especially, you know, if we went to a small church, there were small churches that we went to up north where we really didn't have any musical resources other than my family when we were there. And my parents had the expectation, hey, if you've got a gift, that's something God has given you to use to serve. Absolutely. And, yep. um, and we would serve as a family, uh, even in sort of the more mundane things like cleaning the church. It's like, okay, this is, this is not something we're just going to make dad do. This is something that we're all going to do as a family every, every week. And we're going to have that, that expectation that we're that's using awesome. our lives to serve others. So, 
Yeah, I, I, I really appreciate my parents. My, my parents are top of the line, and it's neat that both of my brothers have managed to sort of settle in the same area where I am, too. That's not something that very often happens in today's mobile world, no. uh, where families all kind of settle in the same area, but uh, it's really neat how that's worked out. It's Very neat cool. to see. Yeah. All right. Well, thanks for sharing. That's yeah. awesome. Yeah. And um, I guess we're ready to hear about some salvation. Okay. Well, I, t- I tell you what, when it comes to, when it comes to sharing the gospel with someone, uh, the, the way I look at it is a, is a two-pronged approach works really well. Uh, you want to share your own personal testimony. So, you know, the, so, some of the information that I gave just there, you know, I, I see that as being connected to the, your presentation of the gospel because you're showing something personal. Uh, you're showing that the gospel has made a difference in your life and that it's something meaningful. And other people want to see that, you know, before they're interested in, you know, the content of the gospel message, sometimes it helps them to see that this is something that actually impacts people's lives. It's not just something that they that they sign on some sort of a form that, yeah, I'm a Christian. Um, it is something that actually is a meaningful part of their life. So, so sharing that personal testimony, I think, is a great way to start to, to bring people in to show them that, hey, this can be personal for you as well. Even if you're totally different from me, if your experience looks totally different, um, this is still something that can transform your life as well. Uh, but when it comes to the gospel message itself, you know, there are lots of formulas people use, and the Bible doesn't give us any one formula that you must use in order to share the gospel. Um, sometimes you'll hear people uh, who will use the Romans road, you know, mm-hmm. where they yeah. take you through some of the the key verses in the book of Romans that relate to salvation. And that's a great, that's a great way to go when you're sharing the gospel with someone. Um, you'll have people who will pick out just really familiar Bible verses that have just absolutely been worked into um, our collective consciousness down through the, through the years, like John three sixteen, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. And that's, and that's a great way to go. Um, one of the ways that I like to explain the gospel is just to have three points. Um, I like to start by thinking about what our problem is. The gospel is given to us because we have a problem. And you can answer that the question of what that problem is in one word, and that problem is sin. Um, it's interesting to me when I was a child, most people thought that I was a good kid. And honestly, I sort of thought I was a comparatively good kid because I looked around me and I could see that, you know what, I didn't get in trouble as much as others did. I didn't get in as much trouble as my brothers did. Now they were younger than I was, which made a difference, but I, but I had that reputation of being a good kid. And it's often been pointed out that people who are thought of as good people it's really hard for them to see their need for the gospel because hmm. after all they're, they're already good. Right. So, so how, how do they need to have sins forgiven? How do they need to be made better? Well, the reality is God is the standard and he is perfect. Jesus said that we must be perfect as our father in heaven is perfect. And none of us, even the ones who identify as good kids, good people or whatever are able to say that we have been perfect. Um, the reality is that we are all sinners. And I count it a great blessing, a great privilege from God that even as a child that people thought of as a good kid, I had a lot of guilt for sin. I had a sensitive conscience. Um, and so 
because I had that awareness of my sin, I was able to hear the gospel and understand that I needed that. Um, and that's a great place to start with people. If they don't, if they don't see that they are a sinner, then why would they need a savior? We don't, we, we don't make that connection unless we start by acknowledging that problem. And the Bible is very clear about that problem. And you can use Bible verses to make that point. So to use the Romans road, uh, Romans three, uh, there is none righteous, no, not one, right? We're, we're not just saying most people are bad. Most people are sinners. There's nobody that's good enough in God's eyes. And our good works are not going to cut it. It's not by works of righteousness that we have done, but it's according to his mercy that he saved us. That's the confidence that we have, not anything that we've done. But you do have to get people to acknowledge their sin. And we, we live in a culture today where people are really reluctant to do that. And in fact, people will oftentimes try to, um, they will take a spiritual issue like guilt over sin, and they will turn that into a mental issue, a therapeutic issue where they'll say, okay, now we got to fix this problem. You're feeling guilt for sin. So we need to build your self-esteem. We need to, we need to get you to stop feeling that guilt. Not, okay, I need, I need something to atone for my sins. I need a sacrifice. I need somebody who was able to do perfectly for me what I never could do. And so we live in a world where people are trying to squelch that sense of guilt, that conscience that they have. And the gospel really is the answer to that. God has given us that sense of guilt as, as a gauge uh, to show us that something is wrong. You know, you all, you all know the kind of people who, you know, they, they have the check engine light on in their car. And what do they do about it? electrical tape over it. Yeah. Put electrical tape over it. <laughs> and you know, depending on what's wrong, maybe that'll work out, but they, they also might run into catastrophic trouble at a certain point. And I feel like people do that with guilt. You know, they, they, they have these needling thoughts about their relationship with God, their place in the universe, the things that they know that they've done wrong, the ways that they've fallen short. And they just cover that up. They just ignore that when God has given us that guilt, he's given us that conscience to show us that we need him. So you got to start with the problem. That's sort of my point one when it, when I'm sharing the gospel with people. The problem is sin, and you got to define that sin in according to God's law, right? Um, sin is not just what makes people not like you. It's not what makes you socially unacceptable. Sin is what God says is sin because he created us, and he's the one who has the right to determine what is right and wrong. We find out about that in the Bible. So we've got to look at the word in order to know uh, the ways in which we've fallen short of a standard. But once you've acknowledged that problem, the good news is there is a solution. And that's the second point. And, and if you're going along thinking in terms of just using one word as the answer to that, that solution is Jesus Christ. Because he is the one person that the Bible talks about who never sinned. And the Bible tells us that God made him who knew no sin to be sin for us, that we might be the righteousness of God in him. That is what God sent Jesus Christ to do, to take our punishment on himself. That was a severe punishment. Um, people sometimes question things that the Bible talks about when it comes to hell, when it comes to God's judgment, God's wrath. Uh, the reality is that when you look at the cross and just how terrible that punishment was, that's a reminder to us of just how much trouble you and I were in. God would not have had to send his son to die on the cross if we were all going to just automatically end up in heaven 
and God was just going to ignore all of our sins, right? So, yeah. you know, you're sorry about it. I'm sorry about it. Let's just ignore it. Let's just forget about it. Let's just let it go. That's that's not the way God has God treats sin because He is perfectly just, and as a just judge, He's not going to let guilty sinners off. But He has made provision for atonement for us. So, if you put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ. His sacrifice can be applied to your account. That is the solution. Um, and so that is a key part of the gospel. But once again, you got to have that first part before you get to the second, right? Because otherwise you just think, well, Jesus is a good teacher. He had some valuable things to say about the way that we're supposed to live. And that's true, but he's much more than that. You're not going to understand why Jesus came unless you acknowledge the reality that we were sinners in need of a savior. And so he came to take our sin on himself and to live a perfect life on our behalf. So that's the second point. Uh, The first point again is that we have a problem. That problem is sin. The second point is that God has given us a solution and that solution is Jesus Christ. But we have to do something about that, right? Um, God did not send Jesus so that everyone could automatically get into heaven without making any changes in their life, any change in their relationship with God. Um, He calls us to respond to that gospel message. That's why we have to proclaim that gospel message. That's why doing things like we're doing in this podcast is so important because people have to not only know the facts of the gospel, they have to be called to respond And the way the Bible tells us we're supposed to respond to that gospel message is that we must believe in Jesus. And it is so simple, and yet it is utterly life-transforming if you do that. Um, I realize sometimes it's hard for us to wrap our minds around what that looks like, because there are a lot of people who will say, well, yeah, I believe in Jesus. I think he existed. Uh, Maybe even they think he's God, but it doesn't seem to affect their life. Um, but when the Bible talks about belief or faith, those are two words that mean the same thing in the Bible. It really is talking about a conscious dependence upon Jesus and what he has done. It's a decision that you are going to rest in his saving work and trust in him as your savior. Uh, it's a decision you make in a moment, but it's then something that you live out for the rest of your life into eternity. And that is what God calls us to do. Now, there is another word that the Bible uses when it's talking about our response to the gospel message, um, and it is that we're supposed to repent. Peter used that word uh, when he was preaching on the day of Pentecost, and he was explaining why Jesus had come, um, what, ha- what the significance of his death was, and he even implicated the people in that crowd saying, hey, you know, you, you guys are guilty of the death of your Messiah. And he gets to the end of his message before he's even give, giving the application. And the crowd is calling out, well, what, what shall we do? And what is his answer? His answer is that you must repent. And that word repent is one that we don't use very much these days, but it simply means to turn, right? It's to have a change of mind, a change of heart, so that instead of now pursuing sin, excusing sin, not taking responsibility for our sin, We're saying, you know what? I recognize that it's wrong. I acknowledge that. I confess that to God. And with God's help, I'm going to try to live in a way that's pleasing to him. So it's that change of heart. It's that change of mind. And you can use either one or both of those words, you know, to believe in Jesus, to repent. And I think that it describes the same reality in your heart, right? If if you're repenting from your sin, then you understand why you need a savior. 
and, and, you're, and you're trusting in Jesus as your Savior. If you're truly believing in Jesus as your Savior from your sin, you're, you're going to repent of your sin. So those two things, I just, I think that they automatically go together. Okay. And that really describes the response that reflects a changed heart. And that's what Jesus was talking about when he had that night con- nighttime conversation with Nicodemus. And he said um, that uh, you cannot see the kingdom of God unless you are born again. So being born again is absolutely essential if we are going to enter the kingdom of God. And the way that we express that in response to the gospel is by putting our faith in Christ, and it is by uh, repenting of our sins. Now, how do you do that? Well, you can pray the sinner's prayer. You'll find it on the back of perhaps most tracts. Uh, many, many people have had the experience of sitting in a church service where a salvation message was given, and at the end of the message, everyone was told to bow their heads and pray the words after or along with uh, the pastor if, if they were moved to respond to that gospel message. Um, but, you know, the Bible never tells us that we have to pray specific words in order to become a Christian. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, if, if you never prayed the sinner's prayer, and I'm putting up air quotes as I say that, um, it doesn't mean that you're not saved. It's not about using magical words. It's not about an incantation. It's about the faith that is in your heart. And if you have that faith, then you're going to do what Romans talks about, where it says, whoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. That's why we offer sinners a sinner's prayer, because that's the way we express that faith. That's the way we express that repentance is by asking God to save us. But it's not It's not about the words. And that's why you don't have to be raised in church. You don't have to have experience praying. Um, you can call on God to save you. And if you understand those truths about the gospel message, that's all that it takes. And then you've got the rest of your life to learn more, to dig into the word, to spend time with other Christians and to grow. And boy, that's an exciting thing. So wherever, wherever you're coming from, whatever your experience has been, uh, the next right response is always to acknowledge your sin and to, and to seek God and to trust in Jesus Christ as your savior. So that's certainly what I would call anyone listening to this podcast to do if you've never done that before. Um, and we all need Jesus, whether you're a good person, as you as you think of it, or as the world thinks of it, or whether you're a terrible person and you think there's no way God could love me or care about me. That gospel message is for all of us, and that's a hope that you can take with you right into eternity. So that's that's the way I would present that gospel message. Um, but again, it's one of those things, simple enough for a child to understand and believe, you can spend your whole life studying and digging and appreciating it more. And that's what I'm trying to do. So, and it doesn't matter where you're at. It doesn't. He'll mute you right where you're at. He will. Amen. So how about we have some, every now and then you get a question, like we go to the jail, we have the jail ministry team. Mm-hmm. Every now and we go to the jail and we, and the inmates say, well, I was saved last month, but I want to do it again. Yeah. So what do you, how do you explain that you only really need to be saved once? Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's a, that's a tricky thing because oftentimes you do have people who they pray a sinner's prayer or, you know, they, they think they've responded to the gospel message. And sometimes they discover later on that they didn't really understand what they were doing. They didn't understand what it was all about. And so, you know, if it's a case like that, then 
you know, you would want the person to acknowledge, you know what, I didn't really get this before, but now I do. And so now I'm going to ask Jesus to save me. But oftentimes what happens when somebody doesn't have assurance of salvation is they fall into that pattern where they say, well, I'm still sinning. I still don't feel like I'm a Christian. So I guess I'll pray that sinner's prayer again. Um, that was my experience as a teenager, right? So when I, when I found that I was struggling, when I found that I was struggling with sin, um, I was like, well, what if I am not truly a Christian? What if I didn't get it right the first time? And so you start praying that prayer over and over again. And I think the best thing that you can do is just explain that, that, that it only takes once. If, if you've been born again, you know, that's something that's going to continue to affect your life. And you don't need to keep praying to be saved again. But maybe what they need to be taught is that we as Christians are called to a lifestyle of confession of sin. Uh, becoming a Christian doesn't make you perfect. You and I have all been in churches long enough to know that that's true. Uh, but oftentimes what happens when somebody doesn't have assurance of salvation is they fall into that pattern where they say, well, I'm still sinning. I still don't feel like I'm a Christian. So I guess I'll pray that sinner's prayer again. Um, that was my experience as a teenager, right? So when I, when I found that I was struggling with doubts, when I found that I was struggling with sin, um, I was like, well, what if I'm not truly a Christian? What if I didn't get it right the first time? And so you start praying that prayer over and over again. And I think the best thing that you can do is just explain that, that, that it only takes once. If, if you've been born again, you know, that's something that's going to continue to affect your life. And you don't need to keep praying to be saved again. But maybe what they need to be taught is that we as Christians are called to a lifestyle of confession of sin. Uh, becoming a Christian doesn't make you perfect. You and I have all been in churches long enough to know that that's true. Um, so being a Christian doesn't make, make you sinless. So the Bible tells us that even as Christians, we're supposed to confess our sins to God. When we do that, um, that restores fellowship. It's not that we're getting our getting saved again um, or that we weren't saved in the first place. It's just restoring the fellowship that is broken when we find ourselves sinning and doing the things that we know we're not supposed to do. Um, so I think that's probably the best way to, to do that. If you've got enough time to sit down and explain, yeah, you know what? Christians still struggle with sin. That's what the Bible calls the flesh. We have that, that sinful nature within us, even as Christians. And when that flesh rises up and then we do sin, now we do need to pray to God. We do need to confess our sins, but you're not getting saved another time. You're just restoring that fellowship. That's what God calls us to do. Any other questions come to mind while you guys have got me here? I don't think so. Yeah. That's, that was great. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. It's always an encouragement for me to be able to actually slow down and think about what God has been doing in my life. Sometimes you get so busy with the routine and the, and the, you know, the busyness of your calendar that, you know, you're always focused on the next thing, Yeah. but it's good to have the opportunity to look back, to reflect on God's goodness in your life. And, um, you know, I, I would not have ended up here where I am if it were not for God's grace. Amen. Um, it's not because uh, I'm, I'm better than other people. I certainly am not, but God's grace is a remarkable thing. So I'm very thankful for that. And thank you. It was good to hear your testimony. I don't think mm -hmm. we've heard one like yours. Well, like I, like I say, I'm, um, I'm different. <laughs> well, no, I mean, most, most of us have, uh, you know, most of us weren't, weren't born and most of us didn't grow up in the church. Yeah. Um, 
most of us weren't that mm-hmm. weren't blessed. Yep. And, and it is a blessing. Um, and I'm, I'm very grateful for that. The challenge, I think, when you've been raised as a Christian is you don't always realize the significance of what you're being given from week to week. Yeah. And that's part of the challenge of raising kids, as, as you guys both are, you know, that, you know, they've, they've got the, these blessings. They don't have to be deceived by the false teaching of the world, um, the, the false pleasures that it's holding up, the pleasures of sin. Um, but at the same time, and when you're raised in that setting as a child, you don't always appreciate the benefit of what you've been given. So that's the challenge is just that we, you know, we're taking this gospel message and we're just trying to apply it to people's lives. So they realize wherever they're coming from, that's what you need. And it brings to mind how, how difficult it is for some people to, to understand that it, it doesn't matter their past. I mean, yeah. some people have a really bad and dark past. A lot of it was you know, mm-hmm. put on them because of the situations that we're in. And, and, um, you know, some of the things were, you know, their own doings, but, yep. you know, some, some people have had some really dark pasts and, and they do need to understand that it, none of that matters. Mm-hmm. Um, he will wash all that off of you. Yeah. Every Absolutely. bit of it. it doesn't matter how good or bad your past was. It doesn't matter. It doesn't. That's why Paul, Paul says God chose him. Because he wanted he wanted to be an example of just how just how bad a sinner God can save, and I know Paul was, you know, the Apostle Paul was a religious person, so he didn't have a reputation of being a criminal or something like that. But he opposed Christ, and he opposed Christians to such an extent that he was even participating in their death. Yeah, um, and he says that that's why God chose him to show that any anyone can receive that, that, that benefit of salvation. So don't, don't think that you're too far gone. Don't think that it's too late. As long as there's still life in you, you have that opportunity to come to Christ and it's always the right next step. And so what are the steps, uh, salvation? Um, as far as, uh, there's baptism as well. I mean, there has to be that change of the heart. You have to yeah. change your life, but there's also baptism. Yeah, and so the Bible absolutely sets that up as the pattern that after after you become a Christian, after you've experienced that new birth that Jesus talked about, that you are supposed to be baptized. That's part of the Great Commission, you know. So yes. as Christians are spreading the gospel, they're making disciples of all nations. They're also told in Matthew twenty eight that they're supposed to baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And you may find if you're sharing the gospel with people that you do need to clarify what baptism is for. Because there are a lot of people who assume that baptism is what saves you. If you've been baptized, um, if you were sprinkled as an infant in a church or something like that, then you're good. Your sins have been covered. And that's just not the way the Bible presents baptism. The Bible puts the focus of our salvation on what Jesus did on the cross. And it makes it very clear that it's not by the works that we do, the spiritual works that we do, that we are justified. It's because of what Jesus did for us. But that baptism is important because of what it symbolizes, right? So if you are born again, if you are a saved person, then you are baptized in order to symbolize the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ as you are placed under those waters. It's symbolizing the death and burial of Christ. And then as you're brought up, um, that symbolizes his resurrection, um, and it seems that there's also a sense in which, you know, those baptismal waters, they symbolize our cleansing 
from sin. So in the same way that, you know, being in water cleanses us physically, you know, that's describing the fact that we have experienced in Christ spiritual cleansing from sin. Um, and that's what you do as, after you have become a Christian, after you've accepted that gospel message. And then at that point, you join a local church. Um, and that is, again, the New Testament pattern. I realize we've got a lot of free-floating Christians out there uh, nowadays, and I'm not questioning necessarily the salvation of people like that, but I, I do think that the Bible just makes it very clear that the way that we express being a part of the universal church um, that we're all a part of as believers is by being a part of a local church. And so chances are, you know, if, if you if you live in the United States of America, chances are you've got a pretty biblical church within driving distance that you can go to, you can be a part of. And even if there's not, you can be a force for starting one. And so I, w- I would encourage everyone who has trusted in Christ as their savior that um, that's part of God's calling in your life. And he's given you gifts He's given you abilities that can bless and benefit people in that church. So it's not just a matter of what you stand to gain, you know, by being encouraged, by being taught in a, in a local church. It's also a matter of what you can give to other people. And that's one of the ways that we're participating in the work that God is doing in our world. Um, and that's important because he could have just, he could have just taken us all straight to heaven. He didn't have to leave us here, but he did because we have a mission to accomplish and, right. And he does that by incorporating us into the local church and doing the business of the local church. Yeah, I agree. We, we've had that conversation. You know, we've, we've had a, a discipleship program in the Godcast, and that is one of the things that we've talked about mm-hmm. to the people that are doing the discipling is we want to make sure that those new believers get grounded in a church, yeah. get baptized, and get the resources that they need to Amen. grow. Yeah. And I know it can, it can be a hard thing as a new believer to know, I mean, you've got all these churches out there. So, so which one am I going to go to? Um, you know, I, I could give you a denominational name or, uh, or something like that, but sometimes, you know, there's a lot of variation within a denomination. So that's not always going to be what, what is the determining factor. Um, if I could, if I could encourage a new believer or anyone who's not currently connected with a local church uh, to prioritize one thing, look at the way they treat the Word of God. Um, is it something that they pay attention to? Is it something that they preach? Is it something that plays a major role in their services? Do they actually try to make a point of saying that what they believe and what they do is based on what the Word of God says, or do they just do it because, well, this is just the way this this denomination has always done this. This is just our tradition, or this is what we think that people in the world will like to make us attractive as a church ministry. There's a lot of that around. There's a lot of that around. And, and again, I'm not, I'm not saying that, you know, every church that, you know, that has tradition or, you know, is, is trying to, trying to be evangelistic or reach out is automatically unbiblical. But at the end of the day, the Bible is, I believe our supreme authority. It's our final authority. It's not about what any mm. any preacher says. It's not about what a church leader says. It's not about what works from a pragmatic, you know, worldly perspective. Um, it's about what God has said. And the Bible has a very high view of its own authority. And I think that you want to find a local church that demonstrates. And it doesn't just say in its statement of faith, yes, we believe the Bible is the word of God, but demonstrates by the way it conducts its ministry and the things that it um, that it's preaching, the message that it's proclaiming to the world that they actually do believe in the authority of scripture. 
that's definitely what I would encourage you to prioritize as you look at a local church to attend. And if you're in our area, then obviously you should come check out our church. (laughs) (laughs) Definitely. (laughs) Anything else you can think of? No, I don't think so. Okay. Thanks again for taking the time. Hey, it's, it's been a pleasure. Always, always a joy to hang out with you guys. Appreciate you as a pastor and a friend. Yeah. And love you. That's, uh, it's, it's been a real joy and privilege to me. So thank, thank you for bringing And we me should on. play some music again sometimes. We should. It's been a while. <laughs> Too long. Yeah. I'm sorry. I don't play an instrument. <laughs> I'll <Yeah>. watch. <laughs> <laughs> we'll get you a jug to blow in. Yeah. Give, give you a tambourine or something. <laughs> I'd, I'd ruin that too. <laughs> uh, yes, thank you. Thank you for doing this, Pastor. You are certainly a blessing. And uh, I know that this will, uh, the beautiful thing about the podcast is, you know, maybe somebody will listen to it live and maybe someone will listen to the recording, you know, a year from now. But sure. I know that this will touch somebody. And that's the whole point of this. Um, wonderful opportunity. We just want to spread the gospel of Jesus. That's Amen. the most important thing in life. And that's that's what we intend to do. Absolutely. Thank you. Thank you. Wow. Wow. It certainly was powerful. Yeah. Every time I listen to that, that's probably like the 10th time I've heard it. Yeah, me too. Uh, Just, just amazing. And, and just reaffirms how, how blessed I feel to be a part of, of a church and, and something that I, that, that I that that really caught me this time listening to it that I kind of missed the first time was how important it is to join a local church and I know there's so many people out there that you know when COVID came along a lot of churches closed down and and that really upset a lot of people and it drove some people away from church um yeah but I I have to tell you for people that are listening here I if if my church went away, it would create such a hole in my heart. I have developed such good relationships with the people that go there and I have such family that's there and I've learned so much and I've grown so much from the people that I've surrounded myself with. You know, they say, I, I it says in the Bible that iron sharpens iron. Yes. And uh, there's nothing more truer than that. The fellowship is so important. So if there's anything I can, um, anything that I could really encourage from that is, you know, find your, find yourself a local church and, and, and just like pastor said, find someone that takes the Bible, um, seriously, you know, um, right. And, and I'm going to post up, uh, I'm going to post up the church that we belong to in our telegram page tomorrow. We have a YouTube page where we have, uh, Cedar Creek Bible Church is the church that this pastor belongs to, Mike and I, and I'm going to put that up on our on a Telegram page tomorrow. So if anyone would like to join uh, that YouTube page, you know, we, we post our sermons every Sunday. So if you love Pastor Holmes, you, you can hear him every Sunday. Uh, awesome. Mike, Mike and I won't be so stingy with him. We, we will share him with you. Good. We will spread the wealth. You know, Ron, um, when you were just talking about that, you know, I have, I'll just share something really quickly. Um, I experienced that same thing where I left my church family right after COVID or during COVID because I wasn't, have a place to worship. And um, it was really 
it was hard to go back, but I just recently did go back um, within the last couple months. And I had forgotten how much I missed everybody. And um, I, I agree with you 100%. But I know there aren't, you know, not every church is going to be for you, you know, but yeah. don't give up because God wants you to have some fellowship and some guidance and some support. And, um, you know, just don't give up on finding something because I, it was hard to go back, but um, yeah. I see now it was a good decision. A lot so. of people also leave because somebody offended them or, you know, the people that go to this church are a bunch of hypocrites. Yeah, all, we are a bunch of hypocrites. We're all a bunch of sinners that need, we need to repent and, and, you know, confess our sins every week or every day for me. So, I mean, if you can find a church that preaches the gospel, that preaches the yes. Bible, you, you, you have to learn to forgive and love yes. the people there. Yes. And, yeah. I can almost say with certainty that a lot of the churches that closed down or, um, you know, shut down during COVID, if you were to ask those churches today, if they would do it again, I think a lot of them would, would have, would tell you a little that they, they, they wouldn't do it quite the same that they did last time. I, I think yes. we've all learned from this. And, um, so, so if you've walked away from a, a local church, please go back, give them another chance. Remember the Lord tells us if, uh, if we can't forgive others, he won't forgive us. Right. Exactly. Amen. Amen. Thank you. So beautiful. Acknowledge your sin. Repent. Seek God through Jesus. Baptize. Join a local church. All great points. What a great message tonight. Yeah, it was. Uh, if there's anyone here in chat that is seeking salvation, you can call in now. I'm going to open up our call-ins. Okay, they're opened up. Uh, if anyone would like to. And I'm going to read Romans 10, 9 and 10, that if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified, and it is with your mouth that you confess and are saved. We all must acknowledge and, and know that we are sinners and repent. Repent of those sins and believe in Jesus. Uh, John 14, 6 says, Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Now, what, what Jesus means when he says, I am the way, he means that he's the way to heaven. And when he said, no one comes to the Father except through me, what he means by that is you must believe in Jesus in order to get to the Father. So there's a formula for salvation. You must believe that Jesus is Lord. You must believe it in your heart that God raised him from the dead, and you'll be saved. It's that easy. Uh, if anyone's listening to this on the recording, and you would like to do this as well, please send us an email at thisisanofficialgodcast at gmail.com. You can also reach out to us on our Telegram page. At this is an official Godcast, Mary, myself, Mike, we would be ecstatic to speak with you and help you along the way. Uh, we have a short program for those that will help you after salvation. 
um, with discipling. Uh, also, we'll go as far as help you getting grounded into a local church. And I'll walk you through everything that you'll need. We've got bias for anybody. If you'd like a Bible, please get in touch with us. We'd love to send a Bible to you. Mary, Mike, anything to add? Just that this was really amazing, and I'm so thankful, and I could probably listen to it another 10 times. <laughs> yeah, this is going to be one that we'll save, and, uh, you know, if we, we ever need a, a, you know, if anyone bails on a testimony at the last case because something comes up, we'll, we'll, we'll have this to play, and uh, it'll, be, it'll be a nice backup just to put on the shelf and have again. I'm, I'm sure it won't be the last yeah. time uh, we'll listen to this, so that's, that's great. And share it. Please share it. Uh, yes, please, my friends. Let us not forget we're here for one reason, one reason only. That's to spread the gospel of Jesus Christ, our Savior. So if you know somebody who isn't saved, if you have that special someone in your life that you love, uh, please share this with them. Uh, let them uh, let them know that there's a better way, that there's an easier way. So shall we uh, close out in prayer? Yeah, we can do Okay. Uh, anybody who has chatted in a prayer request to Mary, thank you very much. We'll continue to do that on future shows. And um, uh, next week, we're going to have Ezra Snow here. Same time, same place. Yeah. Pot, 7 p.m. Friday Eastern time. We're going to have Ezra Snow. Uh, so please stay tuned to that. That'll be awesome. Yeah, it's going to be awesome. Super awesome. All right. Thank you, Mary. Go ahead. Okay. So, Lord, gosh, thank you. Just thank you for tonight. And um, I just can't say it enough, Lord. Just thank you. You have just given us such a, a wonderful family of believers here. And, uh, you know, just having Pastor Holmes here tonight um, was amazing. And so, Lord, I just, I thank you for the message that he gave us. I thank you for the words that you so awesomely gave him to speak out tonight. I know that they're going to touch somebody. I know that they're going to heal somebody. I know that they're going to bring somebody closer to you. Whether it's right here, right now, Lord, or if it's in the future at some point, I know, Lord, that your word does not return unto you void, right? It goes out and it does what its purpose to do. So I, I'm so confident in that, Lord. So I praise you and I thank you for that. And um, just bless Pastor Holmes and his family. And that whole church, Lord, just continue to bless them and pour into the people that are there, you know, especially Ron and his family and Mike and his family, um, just continue to pour into that church. They're a light and we see it. And Lord, um, we also want to lift up people that have um, requested some prayers tonight. I have, I've noticed a couple of them. And if I've not, if you have missed any of them, Lord, you know, so I'm just going to be confident in that. But Lord, I, I pray for um, Ron and his sons and their grandpa, Tim. Um, we'll pray for him every day, Lord. We'll pray for him that um, he'll be healed 
Lord, in your will, that this cancer will be uh, wiped out in his body and that he will be relieved from any pain. And Lord, we pray peace upon the family and especially Ron's kids, that they'll, um, that Ronnie and Jake will just, um, they'll have some really good times with their grandpa right now and that they'll have some joy in the time and that, you know, they look to you. They, they believe in you, Lord, and they are your children too. And they, they know that you're the Lord. And so that's so awesome that they're praying for their grandpa too. And I pray for Tim's heart to be softened towards you, Lord. That's the most important thing we pray for. We pray that he'll come into the family, that he'll be a part of this precious family, that he'll see the truth and that he will just grow closer to you through this. You know, it's it's hardly, it's more than a challenge. We know it's, I mean, this is life and death kind of thing. And so we pray, Lord, that um, this is the whatever it takes for him. So we pray for his soul and his heart and his mind to be softened towards you, Lord. And we also want to lift up um, Insidious. And she had uh, had an unspoken prayer, Lord. And you know every single prayer that we think of, that we can even possibly think of, Lord. You know our hearts and our minds. So you know what's on her heart right now. And so, Lord, I, I pray that your will will be done in whatever it is that she seeks you for. Whatever that is, Lord, we pray in agreement with her right now as a, as a God family. We pray in agreement that whatever is that she is seeking you for will be in your will and that will be accomplished. And we also pray for their son who is not feeling well, Lord. We pray for healing over him. And we pray for peace in him. We pray for a relief of pain, whatever that might be. And we pray for um, just this time also to be come closer to you through all of the challenges he's facing. And we just thank you and praise you that he's got parents that love you, Lord, and that can just, and can model where to go for relief. And the answer is you and in prayer. So that's so awesome that they've seeked you out for that. And we also lift up, well, he didn't chat this in, but I just wanted to lift up JW Jeff and his new job. And we want to just thank you and praise you that you have just put this before him. And so we pray, Lord, that he will um, be successful and he will walk in your will and that he will be a light in this place where he's working now, Lord. And so we thank you and praise you for all the work that you're accomplishing in his life. And Lord, we just also lift up as, as I just always try to think of every time we conclude this, Lord, is that you know, we don't know where this is going to go, where this program tonight or this, you know, Godcast will go. And so we just pray that, Lord, we just pray that this will reach someone's heart and their mind tonight. And that wherever they are in the very moment you're hearing this right now, I want you to know that the Lord loves you. And the Lord's 
wants you. And the Lord has been after you your whole life. And he knows you more than anybody else. So Lord, we pray that they will just wrestle with the Holy Spirit. They'll wrestle with him. Thank you, Jesus, for everything. Thank you for saving us. Thank you for, thank you for everything. Oh, and I do want to lift up Bard's Fest again. So I want to lift up Scott and, and the, the gathering that's being planned. And we, we um, pray that all will be, you know, according to your will and that um, everything that's needed will be just come into place. And we pray peace over every single decision that's made. And we so look forward to it getting together again with our God family here. So thank you, Lord. And um, I think that's it, Jesus. But anything else that I didn't speak out, you know, we, you know. So um, I love you, Jesus. We all love you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thanks, Mary. Amen. Thank you, Mary. Thanks. Well, Mike, Mary, as usual, I have to say it, it's a blessing to have you guys here with me. I couldn't have surrounded myself with better people. I feel the same. Likewise. Yes. And thank you, everyone, for joining us in chat and live. I, I couldn't surround myself with better people than you being here with us. Uh, you guys are all family. We love you. Thank you so much for being here. Yeah. Thank you.
Worthy of every breath we could ever breathe. We live for you. Oh, we live for you, Jesus. Jesus, the name above every other name. Jesus, the only one who could ever say. Worthy of every breath we could ever breathe. We live for you. Oh, we live for you. Yeah, holy, there is no one like you. There is none beside you. Open up my eyes in wonder and show me who you are and fill me with your heart and leaving love to those.
You want to read your story? Uh, yeah. Okay, let's hear it. Um, What's the title? Let's read the title. Yeah, um, it's called You Should Tell About Jesus. Um, it's a story I made um, talking about, well, Jesus. All right. And when did you write it? Well, I don't know what month, but I wrote it on the 10th, 2022, last year. October. October of 2022. Okay. All right. Let's hear it. You need to lead with love. You need to tell friends about Jesus. And you need to read the Bible all you can and teach all you, and teach all you can. When you need, you need to go to church. Wait, no, that's when you learn about the Bible, you need to express your feelings about it. You need to go to church. They will teach you more about Jesus Christ. Whatever you do, do it in the Lord's name. Whatever you do, do it. Trust in Christ, and you will go to heaven. Believe in my words, and you will go to heaven. When you go to heaven, there will be a room for you. If it were not so, he would not have told us in, book, in his book, the Bible. God loves you. With his heart, he will take care of you. He will never put anything in your way if you can't take it in. If you're feeling discouraged, read the story. It will change your life. If Jesus comes or not, I know one thing. He's going to save the world. And when he comes, he will walk a day in our shoes. When he comes, he will save you and all people. When he comes, he will bring you to heaven. You will live eternal life in heaven with God the Father. God is three people. God is three people. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. He created the earth. Adam and Eve sinned, and it's called fall. And soon, God will come again to redeem the earth. That's beautiful, Ronnie. Thank you for reading that for us tonight. Wow. You are officially a Godcaster. <laughs> nice. That was so awesome, Ronnie. Thank you. Oh, that was great. Thanks. All right, we're going to call that a wrap. We will see you next Friday, 7 p.m. Eastern Time. All right. Thank you, everybody. Yeah. We love you. Yep, we love you. Good night. Good Say good night, Ron. Good night. <laughs> awesome. Good night. Good night.